0: welcome back to what god has done with my pain uh, on today's episode we're gonna do something a little bit different so staying on theme of what god has done with our pain but this episode we're going to jump into a more biblical aspect of it we're gonna take a true story from the bible 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 i said, I said bible i don't know where that was coming from Bible
1: from an american story
0: <laughs> yes And uh, the goal with this is to maintain um, God's character and kind of take a step back and see that he is consistent through all of it. What better way than to actually grab a text um, that was written over years and years and years ago, but that is true. A lot of the times when it comes to picking up a Bible or even looking at a Bible, it can be very overwhelming, especially for me when I first started one of the main issues I had was that I thought it was more of like a rule book or um, a guideline of the things that I, or was expected of me as, you know, a follower of Christ. And now being further along in my relationship with God, I've come to find that it, it's actually a, a storybook, a, a poetry book, a song book. Um, just even like a history book and keeping genealogy and all of those things so when you look at it from the perspective of this is a storybook of real characters real people who went through real trauma real pain and how God was able to use that in in their lives and also they didn't know that they were playing in a bigger picture. They didn't realize that there were going to be people years and years and years and years and years years later who would be reading their story. And so the goal with this is to make reading the Bible a little bit more comfortable. And what better way than to break down a chapter? And I'm not saying like break it down like a professor would do it, but more breaking it down to simplify it a little bit more. Um, Because if you're anything like me, when you read the Bible, you can get lost in the sauce. Like there are things that you're like, wait, I don't understand what that means. Or why did God do that? Or why did that character do that? And it's if we can just focus on this is a story. And these are real people, this happened to real people. And I mean, yeah, we're believers, we have to stop looking at the Bible as something fictional and just something to reference to every now and again but actually remember that this actually happened and maintaining the truth behind that and not to water it down but also to better understand it and also bring people closer to reading the bible and from a perspective of it's not a rule book it's not going to tell you that you're a horrible person it's not going to say that you're doing everything wrong quite the opposite it's going to show you that there were people in the past who have actually endured and like have struggled with real life struggles and Wait until we take a, not take apart, but wait until we go over David, because I remember my jaw dropped when I read David's story. Um, but we'll get that's a that's that's a story for another time. Today we're going to be actually going over Job, the story of Job, because his is known widely about his suffering and about his struggle and everything he went through, and so it's 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 a perfect place to start. And so. This podcast, of course, will still have interviews in it. That's the main goal with my podcast is to interview people and see how God showed up in their lives individually and how he performed in ways only God can perform. But every now and again, there's going to be an episode where we break down a book of the Bible and we just talk about how God showed up in that book and and biblically how that works so that when you pick up your Bible and you look into it, it'll be a softer View of it, you'll read it and be like, "Oh my gosh! Like this makes so much sense now because
1: mm.
0: it ha- It's not stories
1: about people.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's not that packed. So um, if you didn't notice by now, <laughs> Martin is joining me. Yeah, I was um, trying.
1: I was trying not to talk too much because I feel like they wouldn't know who I am.
0: I know. I I didn't had an introduced I didn't you be yet, the... but those closest to me know exactly who you are. But yes, this is this is Martin Brown. Um, Martin actually has played a really huge part in my um, growth with the Bible because. He actually is the one who told me, like, have you tried reading it from the perspective of, like, a storybook? Like, this is real-life people, and these mm-hmm. are characters who struggled, and, ha- like, it wasn't until he actually told me that, and actually, I think one yeah. of the stories he first helped me read was, like, Esther?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if I could interject, too, like, even beyond just saying, like, these are true stories, like, um, like, there are several different kinds of books in the Bible, too, and if it if it's not apparent to people listening already like i studied literature in school mm. i studied writing specifically composition and so i think something that gets lost a lot when we look at the bible because of how like the sort of weighty position that it holds in our culture and our society like it's it's the book that you get forced to read mm. i think is how a lot of people see it yeah and Somewhere in all of that, it stops being a book. Like, we no longer think of it like someone wrote this. Yeah. And to me, that's a big deal because, like, what I studied is called rhetoric. And that's basically just the study of, like, how you use words to accomplish things. Like, am I trying to convince someone of something? Am I trying to, like, make someone see the beauty of something? Am I, like, what is it? What is my goal and how do I accomplish it with words?
0: I think for me, one and of the. I think, oh, sorry, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but I think one of, for me at least, mm-hmm. growing up, I viewed the Bible as this is where the Ten Commandments came from, and mm-hmm. this is where, yeah, where we got the idea of what is sinful and what is not, and like like the the expectation yeah. set up, and I never it was hard for me to pick up the Bible because I was like, well, I don't know if I want to find out anymore.
1: Yeah. You don't see it as a thing that has, like, art to it, really, Mm, or, like, life. But when it was written, it was, like, each individual part for the time that it was written, it was very artful. Like, Mm. Job that we're going to be talking about today was literally poetry. Mm. It was, like... Sort of like the Iliad and the Odyssey. Yeah. If people are familiar with that, that's epic poetry. So it's it's telling a story, and it's historical, but it's, it has embellishments, and it has artistry to it. And it is intentionally, like, yeah, you know, artful. It's yeah. trying to be beautiful. And I think that's something we don't think about with this, but there's some beautiful, like, intentionality in that.
0: Yeah, I absolutely um, agree. I think, I mean, who, like, there's so many great great stories in the Bible that I look forward to uh, piecing um, into an episode and kind of softening it for a lot of listeners. And again, like this is just to make it easier to even think about the Bible and all of that great stuff. So kind of jumping into that. So for those of you that don't know about the book of Job, there's a lot realistically there's so much that's in this book i mean it's Mm -hmm. beautifully written and every verse is so powerful but for you know of course the goal of this episode we're going to try to simplify it as much as possible and make it readable and also relatable um and there are there are going to be things that are going to be hard to understand even like theologians now you know um, have some some things that they probably are like, and mm-hmm. we'll never know the answer to that, and that's absolutely okay. God's character is a hard character to pin because you know He created the heaven and the earth, so I think there's much. That's a whole whole character that we can't possibly, our minds can't possibly wrap around it. Um, so yeah, so jumping into that, the beginning of the book of Job um, talks about well. How would you how would you describe the beginning of
1: Job? Um, it's a bit like the start of a fairy tale, I would say. It's it essentially so it tells us where he lives, which is the land of Uz, Uz, kind of like Oz. Yeah. Um, and that, for context, is a place that was very far away from Israel. So it's essentially saying there was a man once in this far off place, mm, yeah. long ago and far far away. <laughs> like it's sort of a Yeah, and it it is to me. That's like a fairy tale opening almost, Um, and it's it's sort of just setting the scene of this guy who's very prosperous and has a good time of life. Basically, Um, it talks about how many children he has ten, I believe, seven sons and three daughters.
0: Yeah, and and the main thing too is that um, in in the Bible it describes Job's character as blameless, righteous, and always honoring God. He's known for... Well, he's literally known as a godly man. Like, the the Even example. though he lives so
1: far from Israel, he still fears okay. the God of Israel.
0: Yeah. And so, yeah, exactly. Like, in in the Bible, when he's being described, it's talked as he is the a godly man who does sacrifices, does no wrong in the eyes of God. And in the later... Like later in the book of Job, yeah, you come sure. to find out that um, God is actually holding like a council meeting.
1: Um, I think there was like an exact
0: word for it. You hear my papers Holding
1: council, I believe. Oh, it's
0: called it's called a heavenly command. Is what it starts with. So it starts talking like so. Yeah. So it starts with the heavenly command yeah, they're having. The like the host a, of heavens
1: was yeah. a term that they used a lot to refer basically to God with the image of, of a king. How a king would have their advisors and people who ruled over smaller areas would come before the king and speak, and they would hold court. And that's essentially how it's described.
0: Yes, I believe it's um, heavenly creatures called sons of God. Um, I think that's how the Bible Project referred to it, but yes. So he's having like a council meeting, he's just talking with everyone, uh, and he's just He's talking about Job, basically. He's like, I have this incredible son on earth. Um, He is blameless. He is righteous. He honors me. You know, like, and he's highly favored in my eyes. Like, I I hold a very special place for him in my heart. Mm -hmm. And this is where the story gets very interesting. This is where I remember I was like, question mark, question mark. Because in that moment when God is talking about Job, about what an incredible son he is, I don't know. Satan, the devil, the enemy, however, whatever name. It's,
1: and it's interesting actually, you bring up the names. Um, a detail that I've always found interesting is the who Jesus calls the enemy here, called Satan. Um, actually is one of the few characters similar to God who is never given a name. Yeah. He actually doesn't have a name in the Bible, he's never given one, but, um, this story is where we get Satan. Mm, yes. um, Satan is the Hebrew word; it means adversary An or user. or even prosecutor. Yeah, um, it's a term that comes from court, and it's very interesting. Job is a Hebrew word that means persecuted. Mm. So it's wow, there's a sort of a mess, a metaphor that comes up of like. Job is sort of the defendant yeah. in like this court drama almost because yeah. the Satan comes and in, in Hebrew court, basically that role was you would kind of like what we say today as devil's advocate. Yeah. Like when you, yeah. you push the counter narrative exactly. because essentially God was talking about there's this man who's so faithful and like yeah. he is a great man and and I'm very proud of him and all of this. And everyone is agreeing and being happy. And so then the role of the Satan from the court sort of precedent that that name comes out of, that title comes out of, his role is to come and challenge yeah. that. And it's actually, it's challenge and tempt. I'm trying to remember the word, but like, oh yeah, it's in the same word means tempt as means test and that's sort of why like in an official capacity he's testing he's testing the narrative by challenging it and that's why they had this as an official position in court because you don't want to assume that something's true and then be proven wrong later
0: Yeah, exactly. And but so, then
1: sort of the dark side of that is the tempting yeah, trying and so to make things worse. The
0: whole the whole the whole thing that caught my attention though on the story is that I remember reading it and thinking, like, wait a minute, Satan is, is currently in God's presence is what caught my attention. And so in the book it literally describes that God is holding counsel and that Satan walks up. Like, he's already yeah, in the he's, meeting. He's there. Yeah, yeah it's so, not like he
1: invades. Or, yeah,
0: no, like, he's already included in the meeting among all of these people. Mm-hmm. And he just simply speaks up. So yeah. God, again, is talking about how amazing Job is. I'm like, he's incredible. Yeah. I love him, favor him. And then Satan is basically like, I'm going a, I'm to a stop you right there, Keith. And he's <laughs> like, let me, tell you why I, let me tell you why you favor him you so think much. about
1: Disney Hercules.
0: Yeah, let me tell um, you why you favor him so much. Up it's because you give him everything of course he's going to worship you he yeah. worships you because he has everything so in in the book of job job is again highly favored so he's blessed he has multiple children a beautiful wife he has sheep all the cattle that he needs so much land richest in oh, his
1: area
0: home his kids have their own homes like everyone has their own plot of property and so what satan does is he tells him like the only reason job loves you so much and honors you and is a godly man is because he's so blessed Mm -hmm. if you took
1: what does he have to be sad about
0: yeah like he's a happy man he's rich he's living his best life and so what does he say he's like but i bet you if we were to strip him of everything that he has he would stop worshiping you like he would not be be faithful to you how could he be faithful to you to a God that allowed something like that to a good man to happen? And so it's very interesting because in this moment, God, like they have like this agreement where Satan tells him like, let me strip him of what he has and watch him no longer worship you. And God being the, you know, omniscient, omniscient, am I saying Um, that? Omnipotent. Is that, that the means, like all knowing? Yeah. God being all knowing, except he's like, you know what? Fine. Like, strip him of everything he has. But don't touch his health. Like take t- take all the material things away. That's fine, but don't hurt him. You know, like mm-hmm. like his health. Um and when I say God being all knowing, is that he's aware of what, what Satan's trying to do. You know, he's aware that he's trying to like, of course, do the opposite of I mean, just disagree, basically disagree with God. That seems to be his character over and over again is the opposite. And so that council meeting is concluded because with God's permission, he is allowed to come near Job and strip him of everything. And this, of course, unfortunately opens Job to the attacks from Satan and he loses everything. Everything that I just named and numbered that he had he loses it. Down to his children. Like, he loses all of his kids. I think, for some reason, I don't know why, but Satan kept his wife around. That, that I just, I'm thinking about it now, and I'm like, out of all the things, wouldn't you want to kill her, too? Like, if you're taking everything oh, away? I mean, that's a bit of a spoiler, though, because the kids don't die, die until later, or do they die immediately?
1: The, the kids are one of the last things to go, I believe. Okay,
0: well, yeah, but still, like, his wife seems God. to be... One of the main things it's that... It's
1: 42 chapters long. I think there's like 20 chapters in which he's losing things.
0: Yeah. Well, with all of that being said, though, he starts off by taking materialistic things away from Job. He takes away his home, um, all of all of his cattle, all of his land. Everything goes up in fire. He doesn't just like... The animals don't simply drop dead. They literally just... They go down in flames. Or um, one of the things that happens in the book is... Some of his workers were in a building and the building comes crashing down upon them. And only one survivor from each location is left alive so that they can run and tell Job of what happened. So, you know, his, I don't know, his harvester comes running and he's like, everything, you know, was destroyed. Everyone else died. I'm the only one alive. Uh, I'm coming to bury you these bad news. And so... In the book, Job is getting back to back to back to back to back to back to bad news. It's kind of like in modern day time. Like you get a flat tire, your car engine starts to go bad. You know, um, there's something that goes wrong in your house. You need a new AC unit. You have a bad diagnosis. Like all of these things start happening to Job. And like he is just distraught. And of course, one of the last things that he is told is that his children and his children's children are dead. Like everyone is dead. Of course, like I said earlier, his wife is still alive. Don't know why. I think Satan just decided to leave his wife around. Um, but so he he goes into this place of he's lost everything. And in in the culture back then, is when you were truly distraught and going through it, you were to rip your clothes. Like you you. It was a symbol of just angst. Like you were just in yeah,
1: kind of like a symbol of mourning. Yes.
0: Yeah, like you rip your clothes, and I believe you shave your beard too. Like every, your hair yeah. goes, like goes as well. And so, Job falls to the ground, of course, and it, even even so, he still worships the Lord, though. Like in those moments where he's lost everything materialistic in his family, he still worships the Lord and says, "God, you are good." You know, like he says, you're still a good God. You are a God full of wisdom, a graceful God. And he he doesn't turn from God and curse him. And he doesn't, you know, he just, he doesn't question God in that moment. And so he continues to worship the Lord. And of course, there's another council meeting and there's Satan again. And God is like, well, see, you know, my son, Job still remains a godly man. I, and he still, you know, worships me. And so Satan says... Yeah, but that's only because you left him his health. I bet if he got sick, he wouldn't worship you anymore. I bet if he got sick, he would curse you. I bet if he got sick, da-da-da-da-da. And so God tells him, all right, fine. You know, from before he was like, don't touch his health. Now he's like, all right, fine. Like, you, you, may, you may hurt Job physically. And so...
1: I think he says but leave him his life yeah
0: like leave him his life i mean yeah but if job died like it, 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 it the game would be over mm-hmm. like so that's a good point though um yeah but he he get he makes job sick and i'm talking about like not just like a common cold sick i can't remember off at of the top of my head what job had but i job,
1: remember i think it's like sores
0: yeah he had like really big sores he couldn't barely stand. Everything was painful. He couldn't sleep. It was so painful from the sores, um, and so the the whole point of this is that Job hadn't done anything wrong. So Job is struggling, trying to understand why he's being punished yeah. in his eyes. Because back in that culture, because
1: talk about the language of like innocence that he knows he's innocent.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: and so he knows God will deliver him.
0: Sorry, I took that opportunity to take a sip of my Starbucks, so I was happy. Um No, I I think that you're right. I think mm-hmm. all of this though plays such an important part because the whole council meeting started with he only worships, worships you because you give him everything. Yeah. Because he's so favored in your eyes. So strip him of everything and even in these moments, Job refuses to curse God. Even his wife, which might be why Satan left her around he he probably knew she would do this but even his wife tells him like why don't you curse god and die like give it up already you know like god clearly doesn't care about us our children are dead what do we have we don't have anything we've lost everything your health is you're, you're doing horrible just curse god and die and job refuses to curse god he will not curse him he won't he just he just won't and he's struggling with all of this all of this loss that he's dealing with and i don't i don't know the timeline of how much time had passed when all of this happened but the real question that is talked about theologically in multiple youtube video conversations small group conversations is is god just does he run the world according to justice because you know what goes around comes around right but in in Biblically speaking, it's never been about you do wrong, I do wrong to you from God's eyes, or you do right and I do right to you. It's always just been bigger than that. And I I will take this opportunity to say this now. I think about a year ago, I started thinking about how there's two forces at play, a good and a bad, in every situation, a light and darkness. And this is a perfect book to talk about that because God is holding a council meeting. He's talking about how much he favors Job, how proud he is of Job, how happy he is to have him. And Satan walks up and says, yeah, but I bet this. And so it's such a domino effect. It's a of, central
1: question. Yeah. It's, um, Job is, in terms of literature, what is called a wisdom book that is intended to... Um, be read over and over and sort of meditated on. Um, it. <laughs> click, click. Um, so a wisdom book has sort of a central thought or question, and that question is meant to be dwelled on, and not even necessarily answered, um, because sometimes the point of it is to give you things to think about. And the central question of this, I would say, is one how do we respond when bad things happen to us? That's sort of the question that's raised in that initial um, time when God's holding court. And also, why do bad things happen? Because then, and we're, I think, about to get to it, we get some answers proposed by human characters yes, in yes. the story. And you know what? Because Job has some friends who come to visit him in his, in his time of, of need.
0: Job needs to look over his Facebook friends. And, yeah. <laughs> Once we get into it, Job needs to look over his Facebook and they, friends.
1: And they are essentially representing the philosophies of the day because one of them is essentially saying, you need to confess, whatever wrong thing you did that you're being punished for, you need to confess and get right. Yeah, yeah. Because that that is one of the ways that people have answered that question for a long time. Yeah,
0: so let's do a really quick recap because once we start talking about that, it's gonna get very complex. Yeah. So let's do a real quick recap just to make sure that the listener, I swear, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm gonna fill you guys in a little bit. We got Starbucks before we started recording and we got ice drinks, so of course there's like clinging. And these mics have a mute button. You can like hit the mute button, take a sip of your drink. I don't know why, but instead of hitting mute and making his life easier, Martin just goes really far away from the mic and yeah. takes a drink when he could just hit the mute button, sip, sip, jingle, jingle, and then unmute, but he just gets far. And it just, I don't know. I just think it's For very interesting. lost in the scriptures. Because you have the button.
1: And forgetting the like, world. Like you
0: have the ability I'm... to mute. Why not mute? you know
1: i was with the holy spirit i wasn't here (laughs) physically i was up thing in the court
0: Uh yeah i'm just saying like if you have the ability to mute Mm. then you could drink freely and you wouldn't have to worry about going i'm sure i could well back to back to the topic on hand yeah to recap job is blameless righteous honors god god presents him as a godly man Satan, he reward for Satan, accuser, prosecutor, challenges God, saying Job only comes because he's rewarded for being good. So this opens the domino effect where God says, all right, bet take all of his stuff away. Satan says, say less, all the good stuff. So he goes, takes it. Job is distraught. His kids are dead, distraught. All of these things are happening. His wife tells him to curse God and die which is marriage mm-hmm. goals, I suppose. But yeah, and
1: <laughs> just something I want to say really quick on the... I'm sorry, were you finished with your thought? I didn't mean to cut um, you off. No,
0: I, I didn't have a complete thought. I was just oh. recapping. <laughs> so if the, go ahead, because okay. once we hit I just the, wanted to lessons.
1: say, on the topic of it being kind of like court, where essentially Satan, the Satan, and... Everyone else in the story, including the people who are about to be introduced, are the prosecution. You know, like they're prosecuting Job. Mm. Job is, is yeah. the defendant and the one person who's defending him is God. Yeah. Like even his, his earthly, like his wife, his own wife, his friends, um, they are not on his side. The only one on his side. Because he is righteous, because he is innocent. Yeah. The one who knows he's innocent is God. God knows the heart. Yeah. And like maybe maybe Satan knows it too. I meh, probably I, not. I can't speak um, on, on that. Only God but is all-knowing.
0: I, yeah, so yeah, with all of that, like Job, I mean, Job gets to a, such a low point. I mean, mm-hmm. being sick, losing your children, losing yeah. everything, you can't even speak because mm-hmm. of how much... Pain, you are. It doesn't in.
1: take much, honestly, and he to still, throw you. He still and he, does not curse He lost word. everything. So. Every,
0: so, this is where we get into a little bit of a complex part of the book of Job. This mm-hmm. will begin around chapter 3.
1: Becomes a philosophy class.
0: Yeah, and 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 again, we're not gonna try to overcomplicate it, but we want to simplify it as much as possible. Um,
1: the panic in your eyes. I know, because
0: I immediately knew that you were gonna start. <laughs> no, no, no. I no, like Martin is gonna be a fantastic tool um and like he's like clippy <laughs> on Microsoft Word where he's just gonna have all of this really great insightful stuff. I Meanwhile for I've got the simplest tool. version. So well yeah it came out like the the insult like he's such a tool <laughs> but I didn't mean it that way. I you meant it as a compliment. Like you're a multi tool. You
1: mm-hmm. know?
0: Like the little ones that got all the little things on them. The one that uh, you're happy yeah. to have because you're like, oh I actually have that attachment for that. Um, that's what I meant. <laughs> but yeah, so, so this is what happens. There is a, a group of friends that come to see Job. They come and they basically are having like, not a get together, but they're visiting Job and they're trying to figure out what's happening. Job's argument is that he's innocent because they're like, what did you do? Like, what did you do to anchor God so much that you've, you've got to this extent of pain and loss? And Job is like, I'm li- I'm innocent. I haven't mm. done a thing. And this I, is still to my attitude knowledge, that to my heart, a lot of
1: people have. Yeah, like, to this day and it's it's sort of it it poses the question like like we talk about karma we talk about like basically divine retribution you do bad things bad things happen to you you do good things good things happen to you that's like what we today call the prosperity gospel that's what how churchy folk refer to it um there are some famous preachers who get very rich preaching this way because people like to hear it. If you pray once or twice a day, um, read your Bible once a month, then it's like it's like you have a guarantee for riches. You'll be driving a Tesla next year because God loves you. And at the beginning of this book, it almost sounds like that's being confirmed because you know, Job is highly favored he has a good life.
0: Like let's let's but, let's modernize Job nowadays. Like Job basically had a mansion. But mm-hmm. no, he has an island and his kids are on that island. Everybody has a house, everybody has a festival, everybody has like mm-hmm. solar panels. So yeah, you're right. <laughs> like the panels. beginning of this book does start off of like wow, like if you look good in the eyes of God, you you will have it good. And I love that this this book kind of breaks it down of, like not necessarily because you become a bigger tar- target for Satan. Because Satan wants mm-hmm. you to question God's existence. He wants you to, to distrust God. He wants to make you feel like, I've done nothing but good. Why, why would yeah. God put me through this? And, and this also shows God's character because God is, allows it, but not to hurt Job. Because mm-hmm. he's defending Job. He's like, don't take his life. Don't hurt him. And he, he allows Satan to go up to an extent, during all of this, too, mm-hmm. so it shows both Satan's character and God's character. God comes from a loving, caring yeah. perspective of "I love him." Satan's like, "I bet you," I mean, "I bet he wouldn't favor you. I bet he wouldn't care about you if you took everything mm-hmm. away." And God's like, "Okay, like yeah. let's put it and see what happens."
1: It's the sort of story that almost raises more questions than it answers, in a way. Mm, yeah. like it is pushing it, trying to answer some questions, but I think it like there are a lot of questions we can ask. Um, and this is what I mean. Probably all your listeners know the word parable. That's it's a teaching style where you tell a well, not story.
0: necessarily. Some listeners might not know what the word. Well, is. that's fair. So I would I would um, encourage you it to. It was. To, it's to the way that it.
1: Jesus most liked to teach, and it's, and that's not a coincidence because it's a cultural factor that comes down through the generations. Um, there were. I mean, basically teachers were storytellers mm-hmm. in this time. You, if you want to make a point, you tell a story and you show that point yeah. through a story that people can relate to. And that's kind of what this wisdom book is for. And I think we, there are a lot of questions that come up, for example, like is, I think it kind of points at a more complex world than what we imagine, mm-hmm. you know, successful people are good and unsuccessful people are bad. I think we see this all the time. Uh, like, like if and, I'm, some, and I'm
0: coming, this is, I might be biased, but when people look at homeless people and say like, oh, yeah. well, they need to get a job. It's like. Yeah, I, that's exactly I,
1: what I was gonna say. Like there's an assumption that people have what they deserve. Yeah. And, and I, I think this pushes back against that.
0: Yeah, I personally feel like we don't know that person's story. We don't know what led them up mm-hmm. to this. Like. Like, a lot of the times, it's not as simple as saying just get a job. You yeah. need an address for a job. If you're homeless, you don't you do. have that. A lot of jobs require you to have a car. If you don't mm-hmm. have that, you need to at least shower and look clean when you show up for an interview. And a lot of homeless yeah. people don't have that. So it's like knowing that there's more in the background than we realize. And so it's it's parables mm-hmm. were great for that because yeah. it, it, it would, like, even the Good Samaritan, too. That was a great parable. But we won't get into all of that because...
1: yeah. and like Like, it's it's even worth asking asking the question question, like did god give job what he had in the first place or is being living a righteous life like being that sort of person yeah does that just help too like i think this book brings up a lot of questions that it that it makes a point not to answer directly yeah i like like that because it it says at the beginning that job is successful and it says that he's highly favored by god But it It never never actually says says that that God God gave gave him everything he has. Yeah. Like, I think. He
0: definitely was blessed. Like, of course, when he planted seeds, mm -hmm. God probably was like, and we'll make sure that they sprout and everything. But but he had to physically go in and labor mm -hmm. in that sun. It's not like. Yeah. He, like he, he prayed for seeds and God provided them and said, actually, can you plant them in the soil for me? Like he physically had to labor mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the harvest, of course, like God, God is the, the God of the earth and the water and the heaven. So like he made sure that it was a good harvest, you know, yeah. and as long as Job knew where to put the seeds, because if yeah. he just put them out in the middle of anywhere I mean, with enough faith, I'm pretty sure the Lord would have been like, all right, fine, let's do it. But but it's about like, you're right. Like Job woke up, Job knew when was the best time to harvest. Even Mm -hmm. when like raising his children, I'm pretty sure he wasn't like a mean father. I'm sure he was a loving and caring father. So you're right, like character has so much to play with it too. Especially
1: Especially when when you you look at the New Testament, Testament, like blessings aren't always physical, mm -hmm. I think. Like Like, like, a lot of the passages that get brought out by the sort of like prosperity gospel preachers who who want to talk talk about like like, if you're faithful faithful, you'll you'll get you'll get riches riches on earth like Like, a lot of those passages if you actually go and read like like it it's saying you'll have have riches riches stored up in heaven heaven, heaven, or mm -hmm. you'll have riches of joy or Mm -hmm. of like development of your own internal life like it's it's talking about more ethereal ideas than just yeah. your bank account will be full like it's it's trying to get at something deeper yeah something more
0: letting go of
1: yeah stress more spiritual more philosophical yeah like, like it's, it's not that simple going
0: from being extremely stressful stressed yeah. to learning to kind of lean on to the lord and being like you know what like i'm, I'm choosing not to stress about this because i don't yeah. earn another day by stressing i lose i get mm-hmm. wrinkles like i just i lose my peace of mind um and yeah like it's a, that's a really great way of putting it it's it's not to say that god just handed all of this to job and said here you go it's more of job was just favored in the lord's eyes he was a good man he was a good Mm -hmm. husband he was a great father and possibly a great employer too you know Mm -hmm. like it seems like he had a lot of workers had a lot of land he needed a lot of help um so yeah so getting off of that and jumping into back to uh his friends coming yeah again his friends come and back in that time that culture you know if you we're getting punished or at least it looked like it like from everyone's perspective job is just going through it so they believe you must have done something to angered god to anger god you must have like really just done something horrible and Job' argument like while he's on the stand basically he's like i haven't done anything like i'm innocent like i i truly was a a a, a as close to righteous of a man that I could possibly be. I, I did sacrifices. I raised my children, to like fear the Lord, like he, he was a good man. And the implication is that God runs the world according to justice. So you do wrong, you get wrong, but that's not true. Cause con- conclusion a would be God doesn't run the world according to justice. And God is not just unjust, you know, the friends are like, well, God is justice, so you must've done something wrong and in order I mean, or because of that, you must have sinned. But there is a friend. um, His name is spelled E-I-N-V. He comes in. He's the one friend among all of the friends who is like, actually, I don't think you're right. He's like, I don't think that God is just or God is about justice, about doing right and getting right or doing wrong and getting wrong. God rules the world according to more than just justice you know, God is his existence is. And so suffering may be a warning to avoid future sin because it builds character. So this friend comes in and talks more about how it's not about how God is punishing Job. And it's, and it's also not about that. God is trying to balance something out that Job did. It's about God's true character and how he's like, God is God is. And that's, Like he is, and what he's doing right now in this moment could be beyond our own understandings. This character goes into a. It could be that God is simply like growing Job's character. You
1: you bring bring up up an interesting point. point. If If I could add on to it, it, I think part of what he's saying is that the way the way I read that part, he's saying that there are a few things we know. One that we can't question god mm-hmm. that he is what he is um and two that if if job is telling the truth about being innocent of wrongdoing that there must be a reason and this is something that we come to in in philosophy they call this the problem of evil if and it's essentially that like why is there Bad in the world, why is there evil in the world if God is all-powerful and all-knowing and surely he could have made things so there wasn't any bad.
0: And that's how he did initially.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And people come to different conclusions. Um, A lot of the answers come from if there's going to be free will, there's going to be evil because you can't give people choices without letting them do bad things. Um, And that doesn't necessarily explain like earthquakes and tornadoes and things, but it it does go a long way to explaining why there's bad in the world. And another that's sort of what this friend is bringing up in this book, and this is a popular belief to this day, is that um, basically going through bad things teaches us that it, it helps us to grow. And I think that can be a satisfying answer for some and not for others, I think, we, when we think through this. Like, I personally don't believe that you need pain to know what joy feels like, which is something a lot of people say. Um, like, you wouldn't recognize happiness if you didn't have sadness, is a popular belief in philosophy. And I don't think that's necessarily true, but I definitely think we learn through our experiences. And that was a popular belief even back in this day, and that's part of what this friend's role in the story is, is to bring in another interpretation of what it means to suffer.
0: Yeah, he Um, he rose in saying like, What's, What's to say, say that Job had to have done something bad to receive what he's getting? I don't think that. I think we're missing the bigger picture. He walks in kind of being like, "Our God is a pretty big God, and He could be having more more going on behind it because God is and underlined is just." So it's it's more about God's character and not just you do wrong, you get wrong. And his conclusion is the conclu- the best conclusion out of all of the friends versus being like, "You did something wrong." you get something wrong and yeah so like going into that going into the book of job you kind of see job really go through it and he gets to a point in the book where he doesn't necessarily curse god but what he ends up doing is cursing the day he was born he talks about like curse the day that i ever came into this world like he just ends up hating his life like he is His friends have basically turned their backs on him. They see him as some kind of ungodly man who is getting severely punished. And he is just at his wits end. And he is like, I'm over it. Like, I I, I hate the day that I ever came on earth. I hate that I was ever born. Like, Like, he basically just lets his heart out to God and says what the heck you know like why would you bring me here to to cause me to suffer to to this
1: extent like it's a wonderful life the christmas movie
0: yeah and he actually kind of like he he addresses god directly and he tells him like i want an answer like i want you to talk to me
1: this is the one time he becomes sort of indignant yeah at this point like he's he's he wants an explanation um Still not to the point of like accusing necessarily. But. More of
0: like questioning. He questions God. That's that's the best way to put it. He just says like, "What the heck?" Like, mm-hmm. and I'm sure everyone listening, Kimberly, I can. Where I was like, I I don't know why I'm here. Like I'm so at my wit's end. And so Job is questioning God, and he tells him like, "Talk to me. Like you need to answer. Like what 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 the heck?" And it talks about how. God actually comes to talk to Job, but he comes as a big storm cloud. Like he comes and a a storm cloud is formed and God kind of takes Job on this visual tour. And imagine it's kind of like God is showing Job these images and he's kind of breaking it down to him. He's telling him like the world is much more complex than you know, you know, like he's telling him, I created the heaven and the earth. Where were
1: you when I laid the foundations of the earth?
0: Yeah, so he's basically telling him like, you weren't there when I made the earth. You don't know to the extent that I've done it. And and I mean, it's I always say science is an incredible place to look towards in this aspect because molecules, atoms, like, and it gets smaller and smaller. Like there are still things that we don't know about, and God, God kind of shows that to Job and says, "Able to observe." Yeah, God shows that to Job and shows him like from every bird to every animal, to every drop of water, to every piece of dirt, to every tree, like I made all of this, every molecule on this earth I've created. And so you can't possibly wrap your head around why I do the things that I do, yeah. when you can barely wrap your head around the creation of the earth that you live on alone.
1: And I like I like the image he uses of laying the foundations. Um, Because, so that's obviously a term that comes from building. Buildings have foundations. And I think sometimes we think of that as just being like the floor. But it actually, so for a foundation, you dig. And you dig very far down. Like when you think of a, like a New York City skyscraper or something, um, there might be seven floors worth that's just empty. It's just going down below the basement. And the reason you do that is because otherwise it'll tip over. Or in a heavy rain when the soil becomes wet, becomes muddy, um, the house will sink and shift like the Leaning Tower of Pisa did. Um, And I think it's a very nice metaphor for a spiritual understanding of the world and whatnot that he laid the foundations, the parts that you can't see yeah. that hold everything together. I mean, a great, I a think great that's a very pretty
0: way of putting it is, I mean, hairstylist here. So I'll mm-hmm. use myself as an example. As a hairstylist, and I know that if you're a hairstylist listening, I know you, you will understand, but it's having someone come in and say that they have um, box dye in their hair and they want to be platinum blonde and they want X, Y, and Z, and kind of having to explain to them the science behind it and kind of telling them no or saying yes but not now kind of explaining to them that there's more and so like in in our industry it's common to have um clients who don't entirely understand why you're saying no people believe that like oh isn't as simple as putting the color on my head and won't my hair take the color and their response to that is no your hair will not take the color you need to actually understand the science behind it there's a whole reason we go to school and we get you know like this whole course of training that we go through, even haircutting, like your hair texture, like what kind of hair color you have, what kind of hair texture you have, the hair history, hormones, like everything that you're dealing with and everything that you've got going on in your hair and your hair cuticle plays a huge part during your appointment and during your consultation. So there's a bigger picture of it. So it's not as simple as sitting down and showing us a picture and being like, this is what I want. Like we we have to determine whether it's possible and like whether your hair can handle it. Um, also if you have ever had your hair like smoking in a foil or, um, just struggle, like, like, let's just say you went in and you got your hair in a foil and it started smoking or it got really hot. That's not your stylist's fault. You know, I've seen, I've heard people say like my last stylist or YouTube videos talking bad about a stylist, but I'm going to quickly just while we're on the topic. That's not your stylist's fault. There are chemical reactions. So, I like, for example, your stylist could have had another girl get the same exact thing before you showed up an hour ago, leave happy, get the picture-perfect hair done, exactly what they wanted, then you came in. Now, depending on the shampoo that you're using in your hair, the type of box color you've had in the past, whether you're from somewhere with really hard water that has a lot of built-up in it, could have a chemical reaction to the color that we're using. And that doesn't happen... Like a lot, like it's very rare, but it can happen. And so, if your initial reaction is to say they messed up my hair when they have a pretty good track record, it could just be a chemical reaction in your hair. And so, it's also understanding that there's so much at play in any career. An architect, you could show them, like, this is the house I want. But if the plot of field that you bought does not offer a good foundation to build that house on, and it's not like a a, a great spot, or the trees around, like, it's just not doable you can't just become upset with the architect and, and your contractor for telling you no. Like there's so much more, like they went to school for it. They learned it, they know everything about it. So yeah, like even in my line of feel like having to tell people why that might not be a great option or even with as simple as bangs, if you have a very small forehead, bangs are probably not for you because they're gonna take way too much away from your frame, away from your face and it's gonna make your face look even smaller. If you have a larger sized forehead, then yeah, absolutely go for it. But like even that, this is just a little sidetracking of what the main topic of what we're talking about now is. There's so much we don't know and don't understand. And so this this book is great at showing us that like God kind of steps in and says, wait a minute, like there's so much you don't understand. There's so much that has played a huge part in my like my, like my creation of you and of this world and from every water drop to tree and even your children, like everything. It's so complex. We learn more and more and more and more. I mean, even a DNA strand is extremely complex and can be ruled out in a courtroom, even if it's like matches perfectly. So that just goes to show that like God is much more complicated and complex than we could ever wrap our heads around. And in this this book, God's response to Job is you don't have a universal vantage point. And what does that look like? It's kind of like if you have a child and they get mad at you because you won't let them play with a particular object. Like let's say a battery. Let's say a toddler really wants to suck on a battery and you're like, no, because battery acid. But they don't know that. So they get mad at you when you take it away. That's because you have a bigger vantage point than they do. And so God has a much bigger vantage point than we do. That's like... I mean, he like, it's kind of like when you get on a plane and you go up and you go up and then you'll get so humbled because you're like, oh my gosh, we are so small. Like, I mean, at least for me, when I'm on a plane and it's going higher up and higher up and I'm staring down because I love the window seat and I'm like looking and looking and I'm watching how the grass is actually turning into square shapes and like, like sky buildings are getting smaller and smaller. And so then I start to feel like an ant. It's so easy to be like, oh my gosh, like I need to live my life a little more. I need to go skydiving, but that's not the point. The point is God sees it from that perspective, but yet he can see every single piece of dust and know, knows it by name. Now, I don't know if he's naming dust, but I'm just an example. I would, He, I don't know. He might have like a category for them, but the point is he talks about Job having a very limited perspective job has that toddler perspective compared to god's perspective and so god doesn't in this book god never tells job and this is why he doesn't ever tell job like actually we had like this meeting and i was actually like i was just saying like you know guys job is a whole vibe like he's chill like we like job and then that guy satan came over and said no 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 let me tell you something i bet if we took everything away from job he wouldn't worship you anymore God omits all of this. God doesn't even bother to tell Job this because for whatever reason, he just doesn't seem fit to instead he just tells him that there is a bigger perspective that Job doesn't understand and that Job's perspective is limited. And that is such an interesting thing because then God goes back up, Mm -hmm. not telling Job of any of this and yeah. And so Job never truly gets an answer on why. But he is humbled and he's like, oh, I don't understand why God yeah. does the things that he does.
1: That brings up the question for me. Um, I wonder, what, what is your main takeaway for this? Because for obviously...
0: Uh, also, I want to do a, a quick plug. A lot of the, the knowledge that I have from this is yes from reading. But also, if you've never heard of it, there's this amazing youtube channel called the bible project they illustrate a lot of the bible and make it into like not cartoons but they like they they draw it and they animate it these amazing animations and it makes it easier to understand the bible so like a lot of the things i talked about today are notes that i've taken in the past from the book of job and so if you want to get even a bigger aspect and actually a little deeper into it because we're just scratching the surface here if you want to get a little deeper into it i really really suggest you checking out the bible project yeah, um, especially
1: you if you're interested in like a sort of a pulled back literary approach.
0: Yeah, they to will. Looking I mean, at it.
1: I mean, it's they do very good just like summaries. And yeah,
0: they simplify it, but also like then, you you get it, and you're like, wow, like that that was fantastic.
1: Yeah, the main voice of them is um, Dr. Tim Mackey, who uh, I forget if he's still teaching or not, I, but he, I don't he's he's a professor. He's a fantastic. Of, Him and and um, yeah, he studied his Hebrew team are and incredible. a bunch of other things, and but you were asking me a question. Very good, sort of scholarly approach to looking at these these issues. Um, I was asking you what, in the end, is your main takeaway from the book because it starts, it opens with a bet, yeah, essentially.
0: Well, I'll I'll, I'll answer both beginning and end if that's okay with you. Sure. So. When I first read it, I just couldn't wrap my head around Satan being in the vicinity. I thought that he was never allowed to come back. And so that opened my eyes a little bit to like, there's an open communication, it seems, somewhere between. And like, of course, this is beyond our understanding. We just went over that. But I I remember thinking like, wow, he was allowed to go to the meeting. So I just, it opened my eyes to, there is always an opposing person. Like, we are on... I always say this, like it's like being on a soccer field. I love soccer. I used to play it when I was growing up. And I think of it as you're on this field and you will do whatever it takes to stop the other team from making a goal or winning. And you'll either trash talk, you'll bump elbows, you'll do you'll you'll do whatever you possibly can and you you have teammates who you who you play with. And I think that the spiritual world is very similar to that. Like this this book opened my eyes to there is God. But then there's also the enemy that will do anything to oppose us, to question both God and us, and to also pin one against the other. Even God never will never turn his back on us. Um, but the enemy wants us to turn ours on him. And of course, like the, the stuff of like, yeah. if you had, you know, if God was so good, then why does this happen? And, da, da, da. and so like all of these little whispers that you get of, you know, you know, if God truly loves you, then why are you still living paycheck by paycheck? And it's like... Yeah it's also about your stewardship too, you know? And it's like, it's, it, it's a place, a pretty bigger picture. So I just, to answer your question for me personally, that opened my eyes of reminding myself of like, there is, a, a, there is someone who does not have their, has my best interest. There is someone who wants me to struggle, wants me to question God, wants me to curse God. Just like the whole goal was like, I bet he'll curse you if you take everything away.
1: Yeah, that's a sort of a, a practical interpretation um and you had a second
0: yes my second one actually happened more recently Mm -hmm. i remember i think i've talked to you about this but this happened more recently in the aspect of i was making i made a joke wasn't like a bad joke but i remember saying like oh man if i was god like if i was god Mm -hmm. I would have already like, delete. I would have restarted, reset the computer. I would have been like, wipe it, try it again, popped out my eraser, Brrr, no. You know, like, I remember thinking like, if I was God, I would have started over by now. Like, the, like I just remember, I don't know if I felt, I don't, I don't wanna say I felt heavy, like heavy hearted, but I just remember thinking like, we can be such a frustrating group of people. You know, there's a lot of good in the world, but there's also so much negative and just things that I can't wrap my head around. And I just remember saying like in a passing joke, like, yeah, if I was God, I would have restarted it, deleted it, like wiped out the board and started again with a better utopia. But I remember that not even like a week later, God kind of spoke to my heart. I think I was like rereading Job where I think I was watching a Bible project video about Job. And when it came to the part about Job having a limited perspective, I truly felt God placed on my heart like, yeah. I could delete, I could start over, but I worked way too hard for this. Like mm. God just placed on my heart that like, I designed you guys with so much love. Mm-hmm. Like you don't even understand the amount of work that went into making the heaven and the earth and the wind and the animals and like, everything that I've created down to you, down to every single person, even to the worst person on this planet, I cannot turn my back to. I will not start over. I will fight and fight and fight and fight for my children and, and kind of like why he sent Jesus die, Jesus to die on the cross for our sins so that he could have that relationship with us. And so I felt God placed in my heart like I could do that. It would be very easy for me to do that but I will not do that. I want my children and you only get it from the lim- limited perspective that Job gets it I get it from the perspective of every grain of sand and from every cloud. And let me tell you, he humbled me because I've never made that joke again. I've thought it.
1: That's a very beautiful word. It it reminds me of um, one of my favorite artists is Cezanne. And Cezanne. I was about
0: to say is it DJ Cali. <laughs> what? <Yeah. laughs> say again. DJ Cali.
1: Oh my goodness. No. Is um, it So Cezanne was famous. For, was an Impressionist painter who and was famous for being a, a bit of a perfectionist. And there are countless paintings that are currently hanging up that are unfinished or partly destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, because as you were talking about that, I just remembered the impulse and how strong it can be sometimes at, for an artist. Mm. Um, like I will sometimes be writing something or I know a lot of people who will paint and they'll be halfway through painting a canvas and you just get the impulse to like drive your fist through it, (laughs) to just completely destroy it because you don't want anyone to see it. And yet, if you keep going, if you keep adding lines, if it keeps growing, sometimes those can be the most beautiful things because like halfway through creation, something is at its worst
0: I mean, I hate to put it this way, but I also mean this from a very loving standpoint. Babies, like little little fetuses, babies. Like when people show you their little, like we're pregnant, and it's like a cute little black and white, and you you're like like I can't, I'm trying to make out where the head is.
1: They come out looking like a pink raisin.
0: Yeah, like yeah. So it's like that. It's like like. If I, if I, I'm not saying like if I were creating like a fake baby, if I was making like a little 3D printer baby and I was like watching the process of it, I'd be like, oh man, I should probably start over. Even in like styling, like I'd be like, oh man, like I should probably, I don't know. This is looking questionable. But then you finish and you're like, oh, the, with, with the whole, p- it's like a puzzle piece. When the pieces, like the pieces are scattered, it's, mm-hmm. it's horrid. But when you put the pieces together, it's beautiful and like. Yeah, like, when you see it from the perspective of halfway or even beginning and not seeing the bigger picture, it's it's so hard to see the beauty in it. And, yeah. I mean, uh, what's his name? Oh, we just went... Van Gogh. Van Gogh, yeah. Van Gogh. Like, un- 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 unfortunately, he died never seeing the impact that he has had. Mm-hmm. But it's he only a... only
1: sold one painting during his lifetime.
0: It's a beautiful example of, like... Although you may not see it now, like, I mean, so many people, their names grew more and more after their death. And it's like, don't wait until you die to see what you, you, the fruits that you can have, but also like live now knowing that that is already there set for you, you know? Like, yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah. And one of the things that's been milling through my mind just now, you've been talking a lot about perspective. And that's sort of the thing that was getting me, because I think we often naturally look at this story through the perspective of Job. Um, he's sort of, he's the main character, he's the human, he's sort of the stand in for us to think of it through. But I think it's interesting when you look at it through God's perspective. In the story, essentially he's he's challenged to this this bet, this like court proceeding that they go through and I guess when I was asking you about the main takeaway, I think I'm curious what we're supposed to make of that, of the challenge that was made. Because the ch- when you boil it down to its essential thing, the challenge was, do good people screw up? You know? Because he was, he was essentially saying, like, eventually he'll give up on you. And I think our like what are we supposed to take away from that because i think the answer to that question is a lot of people would have like it was a hard thing for him to go through and not every person goes through that and comes out the other side um so i don't know and i don't necessarily have a point to drive at with that it's just an interest like i say it's this book is meant to raise questions, and that's the question that comes up for me this time. Um,
0: yeah, that's a great way of putting it. I, I mean, it's incredible to look at and think, or to read and think. Sorry, <laughs> the way that it squeaked when you took a slip. Um, it's just interesting to think that, like, you're right. The whole goal here was just to say, like, he'll curse you, like he's got a good as soon as he doesn't have a good, Mm -hmm. he's not going to worship you. He's not going to be a a godly man. But I think it also sets an expectation for people who are like a follower of Jesus to kind of realize that like on our worst days, realizing that it's beyond our control on our worst days that like in the end, when we pray, always ending the prayer with and your will be done. Accepting that God's will is the final word in everything that goes on and also accepting that it's beyond our own understanding because what we didn't talk about now that I think about it is we didn't talk about the end of Job.
1: We didn't. And can can I make one more point about that before we do? Yeah, go ahead. Um, I just wanted to say because part of why I bring up the like the central question asked by the adversary and answered by God or defended by God I should say um, that central question of when tested will a righteous person fail mm-hmm. the Old Testament at this point we've had this is I believe the 18th book in the the Jewish tradition it comes after Genesis and Exodus and all of those stories um, about like the nation of Israel coming about and some of their history, the judges and the Kings and all of that. And up until now, when you look at that like God level perspective, when you're looking at it from like long time periods, that is the central question of the old Testament of the Torah and the Pentateuch and the other books. Um, The central Question being like, will, can people be righteous? Because every time that some great figure rises up, what we see is they do great things. They show great faith and then they fail and then they fall. Um, Abraham and Noah and Isaac, all of them rise up and then they fall. Noah, after the flood, one of the first things he does is plant a garden and in that garden, he grows grapes, and he makes wines, and he becomes a drunk, essentially. He gets far too drunk and does dishonorable things. David and and that's the end of his story. After, like, the part that we remember, the part that... that um,
0: Yeah, even Moses, too, because Moses never gets to go um, to the Steve promised land.
1: acted out in a movie. After, like, what we remember about Noah, the end even cap on his too, story. With his wisdom. Mm-hmm. The end cap on his story is that he f- that he fails. And the same thing happens with David, the f- thing that made your jaw drop. Um, like he ends up sinning. Um, and I won't spoil that because it'll come in a future podcast. But he ends up sinning in a rather major way. Um, I mean, it, Austin is,
0: is done in a major way. So
1: I think it's interesting, especially because of what I said at the beginning that in the initial framing of this story job is positioned as an outsider he's not even an israelite who's not no no he does he's because he's from the land of well no i get that but i mean more of like he's a far-off person he's not from israel
0: what's his like where is he from
1: Uz, spelled uzi
0: Mm, no, you right, right,
1: right. You did say that. In... It's 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 a far off place. I can't remember exactly. I just where didn't know you were saying day. that he didn't
0: live in Israel, but he was an Israelite. But
1: yeah, it's it's not fully clarified. The implication is that he's from us, but I don't th- I don't think it ever gives us an answer on. Yeah,
0: like, it goes deep into the the count. Like I say, it has a
1: a slightly f- folkloric or fairy tale style in which. Detail is usually kept fairly minimal.
0: But the but the hit what you oh, you said a second yes. ago. Um, you said like the question was like, can anyone be righteous? And yeah. like, as I'm sure we and we the all know, has been no.
1: Historically, I'm sorry. Were you gonna say? That?
0: No, not at all. I don't even know.
1: I'm very sorry.
0: No, I I was gonna say answering what you were saying, like yes, the answer is no. Um, but also talking about why Jesus is so important in the bigger picture is because he was the only one who came and he was the only one who was righteous. And he is the only one who, to answer that question, the only biblical character who was ever righteous and to this day died being righteous and made his sacri- sacrifice, um, so big. And so, yeah, like very true. Um, on hitting all of that. And so getting closer to the end of the chapter, we find that after Job has his meeting with God and they have their, their conversation and, and God goes back, um, it then talks about how Job actually gets three times what he had in the beginning. He ends up having more cattle, more property, more of everything than he did before. And it never says why. It, it's more as seen as a gift from God to Job um, on what he gave him. And it's, it's not even said like, oh, because, you know, you never cursed me. It's not even talked about in that aspect. It's God restores. No, and it's not triple. It's double. So God restores double everything. And he wasn't punishing Job. If anything, he kind of gives it back. Um, but we don't know why. And we just know that Job now understands that no matter what, he is to trust God's wisdom in the end. He is to accept that God is all-knowing and that, um, that there's more than what he can see to the eye and his perspective. And he just has limited perspective. So now that he has doubled everything and everything's, yeah. I mean, he's been given everything back as a gift. Or well, it's, not, it's not said that in the book, but it's more of seen that way. He just sits differently like Job in the beginning and Job at the end is very different because at the end he understands that everything that is is beyond his own understanding.
1: Yeah, I think it can be a challenge to to appreciate. I think the more that we get, the more inclined we are to think we deserve it. That's something that's been shown. It's. Psychologists today call that the rich man's fallacy,
0: but it's also the culture that's been set for nowadays too
1: it is it is, but i think I don't know, I think it's always been a part of us I No, think- it
0: has, but now it's been highlighted it's it's been more of the front the this, the front piece of everything, everything yeah. about it. It's always been I there think, yeah but our it's culture- been hidden in the past
1: yeah culture, especially well, I don't know if it's pr- maybe especially Western culture. Um, I think there's a big focus on accomplishment, you know, like you do this and prove your worth. I mean, that's probably all people.
0: No, but see, that's, I want to, uh, while you're on that topic, I do want to hit on that. And and it's not, I mean, there's nothing wrong from celebrating your accomplishments. Absolutely, celebrate yeah. where you are. Yeah, I do. But it's so important to know that, like, it doesn't prove you anything. are already worth it. Yes. You yes. hitting a certain pay salary is not going to say, and now you are finally worth it. Yeah. You getting the car, or you buying the house, or you yeah. getting married, or you simply getting the job of your dream job like you from the moment that you came into this world you were already worth it you were are you were good to go kind of and I'm, I'm sure parents out there will understand when you look at your child you love them they are they are perfect in your eyes there's there's no amount of money in this world that can by your child from you. You love them how they are. You are happy with them. And you want them to know that they are perfect in your eyes. And the same is applied. Like, fantastic if you've reached those milestones. It's amazing that you have, but it's so much more important to know that your value does not lie in within your accomplishments. Because it's you who got to those accomplishments. You already had it in you. You just had to reach that set goal, but you already had it in you to do so. It just took time and effort but you already were there. So yeah, celebrate your accomplishments. That's fantastic. Everything that you do is amazing, but don't lose sight of that in the eyes of God, he loved you. And it says like he he knew you in the womb. He knows who you are. He loves you. Like from the moment that you stepped out and you became of the world, like God loved you right where you are. There is nothing that you had to do. There is no amount of praying or Bible reading or any of that stuff that brings you closer to God, God already favors you. God already loves you. It's the culture nowadays that says like, unless you're dressed like this or that kind of like going back to the homeless, like, oh, they'd only get a job. They probably had a fantastic job, became banked, rubbed, lost everything and are currently going through their Job phase. Where a righteous, loving, well, not fully righteous, but like a godly man, godly woman lost everything so we don't really know from their perspective but always making sure that like your heart aligns with God's heart and knowing that you are already loved and if you get the promotion fantastic but if you don't you are still the same person you would be if you got the promotion nothing changes but the job title so whether you're in a valley or in the in-between plains or at the peak of the mountain what changes is your circumstances but not you You is what remains. Job is what remained. The character that God was speaking about during the council meeting was the character of Job. He wasn't saying, oh, Job has like all of these houses. He's got like 5,000 employees who've got a 401k, an insurance plan, an Aflac. And his wife has given him all of these kids. No, God was talking about Job's character when he was talking about him. And that's the same that applies for us. When we... Are seen in the eyes of God. He's not like, oh, and she's got like this incredible promotion. She's got like this amazing husband and all of these. No, no, no. God's like, she's got a beautiful heart, and that's what I'm after.
1: I think one of the hardest questions that we can answer about ourselves is how we define who we are, like for ourselves. Because I think about things like I love to write. I love to write um, nonfiction stories and and all sorts of stuff. I always have, Um, but I was thinking to myself: like people can get injured and or take a hit to the head, and if the language center of your brain gets damaged, you may never string a sentence together again. And I was—I just (laughs) remember—I was in the shower (laughs) where these sorts of thoughts thrive. I was in the shower and I was just thinking about that. And like, if that happened to me today, what would I think of myself when I woke up tomorrow? If, if I define myself as a person who writes well, a person who's good with words, like if that is the core of how I define myself, then I don't feel good tomorrow. I But if my definition of myself is deeper than just something I do well, if my definition of myself is deeper than just like one facet of my being, then I will survive things like that. Like I will be able to have a self. Allow me
0: to go in the opposite direction. Like I love what you're saying. So this is what caused me to go in the opposite direction. I am currently reading a book. I
1: love what you're saying, however.
0: (laughs) No, 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 but this is what I'm saying. It's like, it's great because what you're saying fits onto what I'm about to say is I've currently been reading a book called Embracing Obscurity. And it's a book about being anonymous, you know, taking away the, the luxury of being, computer hacking. all of this in a bag of chips, basically. And going off of what you're saying, in that book, the author talks about embracing obscurity and no longer going by subtitles, not just saying like, hi, I'm Martin and I'm a writer. But more going into the aspect of, I'm Martin, and that's who you are. Not saying, hello, like, I'm so and so, and I have this job. I'm the CEO of this company because you're kind of using this title to add value. Why are you introducing this into the conversation? So, off of what you're saying, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I like what you're saying because it hits the topic of the book that I've been reading, which I really like. It, It really encourages you to. Put aside your accomplishments, put aside your job title, put aside everything and just be who you are inside and stop trying to fit a mold that you're currently in, but more going over everything and just saying like, I'm Emily, how are you? And getting people to know you in that aspect instead of saying like, oh yeah, and I, you know, do this and I do that. And it's great. Again, your accomplishments are great, but I really like that this book encourages for you to put the subtitles now because while you're reading the book it actually challenges you and it says like what sub what subtitles have you used and have you held on
1: to yeah, if you define yourself by anything that can be lost, <laughs> then your identity is in danger at all times because I don't know like
0: the best the- way that I can put it is <clears throat> any <clears throat> sorry <clears throat> I like a mango, dragon fruit, whatever thing in my back of my throat. Um, but if you're a parent, I know that you can relate to this. The moment that your child comes home from school or daycare and suddenly likes something that they didn't like before or does something that they didn't do before because it was introduced to them, whether it's a funny word or a cartoon character, like some, there's a shift that they've added onto their personality that they didn't have before that's something that's been introduced to them or they're asking you about cause so-and-so likes it and it's it's getting caught up in the crowd, you know? And I think, I don't remember who said it. I think it was this um, child, I don't wanna say therapist, but like someone who has a lot of knowledge about children and their development said that at some point, your kids go from your voice to their peers being the loudest voice to them. So like from the ages of 12 and on, like, what their peers do and say becomes the loudest voice and your voice becomes the backseat voice. It's not as loud. It's not as prominent. It's not what sets the tone, but what everyone else is doing. Like, you know, I mean, for example, Uggs. I, I hate to admit it, but I had a pair and now I look back and those are the ugliest things I've ever seen in my life. No, no hate against Uggs. But they just feel like a little stump. Like a little, do you know what I'm saying? I have nothing against Uggs. If you own a pair of Uggs, great. I'm just saying like back in my high school days, Uggs, were the thing like walking around in nugs were great and it's like that it's so weird that like we we follow the tone that's set by everyone else in these mm-hmm. subtitles and yeah, okay. this just this is what i have and this is why i'm successful but you're successful because of just simply who you are you already had the capability of doing that and with all of that being said going ahead and wrapping up this um book of job All of that to say, Job was blameless, righteous, and honors God. And in the end, God honors Job's struggle, Job's honesty, and Job's prayer. It was all about how Job seeked God. It was all about how Job was honest. He was innocent. He said, I didn't do anything. And he said to God, like, I cursed the day I was born. His honesty, his rawness. God could handle his Job's pain. So the fact that Job ran to God and brought him his sorrow and his pain, that's what God honored. And God honored his struggle. So while in the beginning, again, Job was blameless and righteous and was a a God-honoring man in the end, all of those things God loved, but he also loved his struggle, his honesty, and his prayer. And hopefully this episode has helped you understand the book of Job. I do encourage you to go back in and if you have the Bible app, you can even listen to it audibly. Go to the Bible Project on YouTube and listen or watch. Like they have like three minutes to eight minute videos. It's not like 50 minutes. It's a very quick video where they break down the story of Job and or even open your Bible and like read one verse or one chapter and kind of see that and see what what jumps out to you because we only scratch the surface. When you read into it, it'll be easier to read and you'll be able to like, take a note of something that we probably didn't discuss.
1: Yeah, I would definitely, especially if you're someone who like hasn't really cracked the Bible before. For you, it was something that people forced on you that you don't see in this sort of like interesting or literary way. Um, I would recommend listening to it in audio and definitely starting with a book like Job or Esther, which is right before it, um, or one of these other books that is a story. Yeah. And it was meant to be heard as a story, and you're meant to yeah. think about what these characters are going through, and ask yourself constantly, like, what would I do, and what does that mean? What does that say? It's And all, like, maybe yeah, yeah. you agree with the character, or maybe you don't. It's it all has- about
0: the relatability on here. It's all about the rawness of these biblical characters were real people, and their stories got written down, and they like. And, Normally, we have a tendency of making them fictional and we have a tendency of making them on a like putting them high up, like we could never be like so and so, but realistically, we could be like Job, struggling and questioning God. And so, kind of not putting them so high up on a pedestal, but realizing that these people and characters and these stories are real and they happened so yeah read it like the poems that they are and the songs that they are and the stories that they are not forgetting that like the god that they speak to the god that they are praying to the god that they are worshiping the god that they're lamenting to is the same god that we worship today and his character remains true from the beginning and the end so As we wrap this up, I truly encourage you to seek God out and welcome him into your pain, welcome him into your struggles, because as the theme of this podcast continues to grow, what God can do with your pain is incredible. There is no limit to what God can do. And I hope that in the previous interviews that you've already listened to, in the previous stories that you've already listened to of days that are, or sorry, of people who are alive now, of people who have been willing to let me step into their lives so that we can all hear about the things that God has done in their lives, encourages you to welcome God into your life and to bring you closer to God and to spend time with him. Not necessarily reading your Bible every day or going to church all the time and like feeling like you have to get your life together to get close to God, but you are already there. It goes back to, it's not about once you get the promotion, it's about you are still that same person now and even then. So I encourage you to try reading the book of Job or watch a Bible project video or even listening to it audio, like all amazing options. And again, like as we wrap this up, I thank you so much for joining me and Martin as we talked about the book of Job. Hopefully this made it easier for you to look into and to read. But most importantly, I just hope this encouraged you to welcome God into your life because I always like to say our God is a God of consent he is a God who doesn't want to burst in and break down your walls and say like you will worship me and you will love me but more of a I'm here if you need me and when you do need me I am more than happy to step into this space with you and be with you so I just really encourage you to seek God and do with all of this information that you will um with that being said Martin, do you have anything to say before We finish.
1: Hmm. Yeah. I think for me, there are two big takeaways from this book. And that's one that just... No matter what's taken away from you, you aren't broken. You aren't gone. Speaking as someone who's struggled a lot with depression with problems of self-hate and um, just some very serious anxiety, I think it's very easy for us to go through losses, especially losses to how we define ourselves, and to let that shake everything. And so I think as Job goes through all of this and he doesn't turn away from God and that he doesn't turn away from that part of who he is, from that defining part of who he is. I think to me that speaks to like the desire to keep going, the desire to keep on living. And I think it can be so hard. Um, I think finding a core for yourself that is unshakable is a very hard thing to do, but it's something that we can pursue through approaching these sorts of things these sorts of issues and thinking about them and really asking ourselves like what is the core of me and two just with this being your first sort of bible book club that you're doing (laughs) i think a big takeaway could be um that there are things like this to explore that this book is not dead you know like it's it's not a math textbook or something like the way that people sort of, I I think we treat treat it like it's some big scary physics textbook that we have to write a report on. And like, it's not that way at all. Like it's a story with characters and with themes and with all of this, I mean, there's poems and songs and all this like very lively text with a, a whole culture recorded in it, multiple cultures in fact. Um, as it spans the years and there's just so much life even even speaking like historically there's just so much to be found in it and i think that would be my main takeaway for for the listeners to hear is just there's something fascinating for you to find in the bible and like if you don't find it in the first place you look, look somewhere else mm-hmm. and don't necessarily think you know what you're gonna find. Um, yeah, that would be my message.
0: I think I do um, to add on to that, it's whatever your upbringing may be, whether you grew up in the church, whether you grew up with no belief, whether you did grow up in religion but not relationship, Whatever your experience has been, and if you've had a bad experience, I do encourage you. I'm sure we've all ordered a cup of coffee and we're not a fan of it, or we've all ordered a burger and it fell short of our expectation or what we liked. And so if you've had a bad taste of the Bible in your mouth, I really, truly encourage you to one, Mm -hmm. whether it's connected to a bad memory because someone was forcing you, Mm -hmm. or you grew up in in a household that was really strict and and religious, but not relational, yeah. Then I really yeah. ask you to for a second, like I'm not asking you to erase those memories, because of course my podcast that, I've, you know, that God has placed on my heart is all about seeing the pain and, and remembering that pain and also seeing what God can do with it. But I do encourage you to for a second kind of separate that memory from the Bible, because the, the Bible did not get up yeah. on two little feet and two arms and slap you across the face. But it is it is a book with with God's living word. So I do encourage you to see it from a new perspective. Look at it from, this is a different coffee house uh, or coffee shop, but this is a different salon. This is a different restaurant. Yeah, that's Give really it the point. opportunity to be a different Experience. You're no longer in that household or you're no longer under that expectation, but open it more in, in, as a storybook, as a relational book, not as much as the book that came up with the Ten Commandments, but more of a book where many suffer and many have gone through it, but God has shown up and start with the book of Job if you can, if mm-hmm. this podcast has made it, e- or this episode has made it easier for you to listen, I mean, not listen, but read it. Or... I truly encourage you to find sources like the Bible Project or read a verse a day, but yeah. not to see it as the, like I have to be the perfect example of what this book is giving me because if not, then like I, I, I'm I not accepted. I've already fallen short. I've already messed up. Not necessarily because like this book has so many people who do fall short and God's character still loving them regardless mm-hmm. of that situation. And so I really do encourage you to, Whatever the bad experience or bad taste that it has left on your you know on your palate in the past, I encourage you to just try it again. We all grew up loving chicken tenders and chicken nuggets and we all ordered it off of the menu every time until we finally got the ability to pick something off off the menu and realize that like that vegetable that we hated for so long, turns out that it actually is really good when it's properly seasoned and cooked well or included mm-hmm. in a particular way so the same can be said about the Bible I really do encourage you to just pick it up yeah. or even look at like little like little snippets of the Bible project where they do break it up softly and then maybe, maybe then be like oh I wonder how I would perceive it if I
1: read it. Yeah and I would say like with no other book do we make the assumption like just because someone reads a book it doesn't mean they understood it <laughs> Like, if someone, and I want to say this, if someone has said to you that, like, if someone has hurt you in the name of this book, or if someone has hated you in the name of this book, they did not understand this book. Like, I don't think, I don't, like, people have saved lives in the name of this book, and people have killed in its name. Mm -hmm. And... Mm -hmm it's not for us to say who's right yeah but i don't think all we can speak of is the
0: character of jesus and if you if you truly pay attention to the book jesus calls us to be loving and caring and not judgmental he Mm -hmm. was very strong on don't talk about the splinter on in that person's eye when you have a whole log a whole plank in your own eye like he was so quick to say Mm -hmm. like don't don't you start talking when you yourself have your own things you're struggling with like the expectation that Jesus left was love kindness and love and so in the past if you have not experienced love and kindness by someone who walked around with the bible I am truly sorry that um because Mm. of someone's own expectation because of someone's like just i don't know misinterpretation of the word mm-hmm. don't allow that to speak for the bible itself because i'll say it again if you've gotten bad customer service at a place that does not speak on the place itself you know it yeah. could be that that person was having a very difficult day or exhausted or just did not have the attitude for it Because you could go to that same place with someone else and that person would be like, oh my gosh, how are you? How can I help you? And we'll do whatever it takes. So I just encourage you to give it a try. Whenever you are ready though, this is not go out there and do Mm -hmm. it right now, but this is just to open your heart to it, but not for you to feel like you immediately have to run and open up the Bible. This is something that is for your own relationship with God and for it to fit your own time when you are comfortable when you are ready Mm -hmm. even if you do not pick up the bible god loves you regardless he is willing to meet you where you are the bible is just an incredible source to get to know god's character a little bit more because when you read it directly you see his character versus having someone else tell you his character from their perspective
1: books are meant to be experienced and they're meant to be interpreted as well like it's if if you read something as cold and clinical you won't get anything from it i think it's worth like when you read a book you sort of take ownership of it in a way like you have your own your own things that you take away that no one else had and i the bible should be that way too like it belongs to anyone who reads it it really comes alive in you yeah and and some people have interpretations that are dangerous or hurtful and but like i don't know it's it's sort of like when i was a kid i really loved sherlock holmes and i read those stories over and over and if a friend of mine came and said like oh i've read those books too i have some interesting interpretations i'd be like oh how, how very nice and if they said like i think sherlock is a symbol for industrialization then i'd be like hmm I don't know if I see that, but that's interesting. Yeah. But then if they told me, I think that the meaning of Sherlock Holmes is that I'm supposed to go out and stab the next five people I see. Mm -hmm. Then I would say, go to prison, sir. (laughs) Like that would be, I don't know. People have read the Bible and taken away some wild things. Yeah. I don't think my metaphor carried that very well.
0: Everyone's very, no, I, I can see that. Like when you read a book and you get you meet someone who's read it too and you both say something and you realize that you both saw it from a different perspective or you both uh, one loved one character but the other hated that character everyone's so different um so it's a perfect example of like depending on the person and where their heart is they can receive the message differently and like it's received differently so all of this to the conclusion to say we just encourage you to not hold your past experiences against the bible if someone has hurt you through it by if someone who carried the bible hurt you using words that they've read in the bible i just encourage you to change that experience change that memory create a new memory with something better um, something kinder and not allow that to be the end of your of your experience with it not by someone else's hand, at least. Allow God to to show you a different perspective. But with all of that being said, we have gone an incredibly long time. I mean, realistically speaking, I could talk all day when it comes to God's character and God's love and everything. So I guess creating a podcast for it has allowed me a little bit of an outlet. Um, but yeah. I thank you so much for jumping in and listening to Martin and me just chit-chat about the book of Job. I truly do hope this has made it easier for you. Um, I thank Martin, thank you, Martin, for jumping onto this podcast with me in this episode. Um, Hopefully, we can create uh, more episodes with more books, more stories, and more breakdowns. Yeah, it would be wonderful. It would be. But to that, we are going to go ahead and sign off. Thank you so much for listening to what God has done with my pain. As always, a huge shout out to Lazuli for her song, No Greater Love, that has helped make this podcast come to life. You can find her on Spotify and Instagram at LazuliPROJ and at We The New Breed, where you'll find artists using their gifts to glorify God. Swing by at What Way This Way on Instagram to catch some behind the scenes snippets. Make sure to follow the podcast so you don't miss a single interview. In the meantime, I would love to hear from you on social media or email. Until the next episode.